welcome back to another episode of Boss of Down. I'm your host, Wally Lukashinsky. I'm a little different this week. Steven is out sick. He's getting tested for the cocoa, has a little bit of a, a sore throat, and his voice is gone. And we just figured it really didn't make too much sense to try to grit through and have him doing it. So I'm doing a solo show tonight. So it'll be a little bit faster, little, little, uh, a little more chaotic because it's all my thoughts. So there's no one to balance me out. But that's fine. We're going to get through it. We're going to have fun with it. Next week, hopefully, Steven's back and everything's back to normal. But I want to start off first before we get into the NFL, the Ohio State-Michigan game. I'm very low right now. I'm kind of demoralized. The fact that this game's canceled in a year where Ohio State had a 30-point cushion where they were favored by 30 points going into the weekend, it stinks. And all of a sudden now Ohio State is really in a hard... uh, Stuck between a rock and a hard place here because, yeah, they're going to go and play in the Big Ten Championship after the rule adjustment today. But all of a sudden, Florida beats Bama and Clemson beats Notre Dame. Ohio State's on the outside looking in. It's just more of the same. Coco, the corona is ruining everything and making me miserable. And now Ohio State, with arguably one of their best rosters in their school history, might miss the playoff entirely. So I will be done moping now. I did need that to get out of the way here to to start anyways. Then on top of all that, you guys got to see the Raiders this last weekend and a game which we will get into. It could have been a really bad two-week stretch. I almost had to completely remove myself from the podcast forever if the Raiders followed up a 30-plus point loss to the Falcons to by losing on the road to the winless Jets. I think I'd be done. We'll get into a lot more. We'll also get into the Greg Williams uh, firing and his questionable play call at the end, uh, because a lot of people out there are believing scandal and conspiracy, and I'm just telling you, you're an idiot if you believe that. So we'll get all of that in into more as we go on to this uh, this little episode here. But first, we are going to kick it to the hair of the dog. I don't have the can to crack. That's Steven's job, so you're just going to have to trust me. We're going to have to get through these shit games by cracking open a beer, throwing it back, and then we can get on to the stuff we actually want to talk about. Well, let's start here real quick with New Orleans going to Atlanta. Divisional matchup. The Saints clinch a playoff berth. Taysom Hill throws his first two career NFL touchdowns. The Saints dominated time of possession in this game. They had the ball nearly 14 minutes more than the Falcons did. Uh, this is going to be the way that the Saints appear like they're going to try to play their games down the stretch here until Drew Brees gets back. Rushing attack is it, it's very similar almost to what Baltimore had last year when everything was clicking with Lamar Jackson. Not so much this year. Yeah, on Sunday you got to see Taysom Hill have 14 carries for 83 yards. Walkamara had 15 carries for 88 yards. So you're going to see a very balanced but kind of college-style dual-threat quarterback, and they're going to shorten games. And I think that so far, if you're a Saints fan, it's gone much better than I expected, and it's probably gone much better than you guys expected. So be it, this Falcons team did have a chance to win the game at the end. They uh, drove down, had a 4th and 10, threw it up to Julio Jones. He was unable to come down with it. They win, who knows, we might have a, a little chance to get a divisional race on again between Tampa Bay and them. But I think this one's pretty much over. The Saints have that division on ice. It's just a matter of now if they get the one seed. Again, going to the Falcons, that team's really talented to be 4-8. and eight. Really talented, but it just wasn't their year. It's At this point, you just move on. You get ready for a hopefully productive offseason where you can address what your future is. If you want to be going ahead with this core or how you guys want to restructure the defense, you're going to have to deal with finding a replacement for your interim head coach and Dan Quinn. So that'll be an interesting dynamic going into this as well. But, I mean, what it comes down to is the Saints were the better team. Uh, they end up finishing 5-1 in the division this year, and the Falcons are dead. But let's get back to the Saints real quick. I mean, the Saints are 5-0 and in the division right now. That's good for tiebreakers as well. We'll see going down the stretch here if they are able to secure that number one seed out in the NFC and get that crucial buy and the only buy this year. Then we're going to move on over here to Chicago. Chicago blew another lead, this time to the Lions. It was kind of almost a reversal of week one where you got to see the Lions up 10 in the fourth quarter before Mitchell Trubisky brought them back. Complete switch of roles. And I told Steven I would bring it up. Sorry, Adam Alfonso. It's pretty much uh it's pretty much all over here. Man, dude, your team sucks. 
I don't know how else to say it. Uh, obviously not going to say anything nicely about him. Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles. It's just a dumpster fire at that quarterback position, and we simply know you can't win that way in the NFL in 2020. I guess if you want to take a little bit of a silver lining out of this, if you are a Bears fan like Steven's buddy here, you could look at David Montgomery's had at least a little bit more productive of the last couple games than he had been throughout the rest of this season. But, man, this is just a lost season. You start the way you did, and you've lose six straight here. I mean, we knew they weren't good, even when they were 5-1. and one. It felt a little bit too good to be true, but I didn't expect them to be, I suppose, this bad. The craziest part about all this, though, if you are a Lions or a Bears fan, is you find yourself only a game out of that seventh spot right now, which is absolutely crazy to think about. The Vikings, ironically enough, the other NFC North team that I wrote off about a month ago, they're 6-6 six and six and in the seventh slot right now, so who knows how that's going to break out. Right now, the Vikings do have the tiebreaker over Arizona, simply on win percentage and common games, so we'll see if that changes down the stretch. But yeah, this is a, a game between two teams that it just feels like year in and year out, there are there's a sector of the fan base that believes this is the year they're finally going to at least break through a little bit. Maybe not so much this year for Bears fans. I think a lot of people saw the quarterback problems coming into it, but at least now you guys know what you have which isn't a good thing, but you realize, hey, you know, we need to move on. We need to address the quarterback position in the offseason, likely in the draft yet again. They're in one of those tough spots, though, where it's just like, where do I go next? Where is the next move? How do we get better here? Congrats to the Lions, though. The only thing I really bring up about them is that was their first win under Daryl Bevel, or however you pronounce that damn man's last name. But congrats to him. Who knows if there's any opportunity for him to possibly procure that job and, and stay on as head coach going forward. If he does want the job, though, I've got a little bit of bad news for him. A lot of rumors up in Detroit this last week, though, talking about that head coaching position, is that in the offseason, the Lions are going to hopefully try to swindle Robert Salah out of San Francisco. The guy's been a phenomenal defensive coordinator for years. He seems like a good fit there in Detroit, especially considering, the fact, he is from the the hometown area, and as you might have seen this last week too, the Michigan legislators are asking the, the Lions owner to basically bring Robert Salah home. We'll see if he does do it, but right now it certainly feels like he is the front runner for that job. It's just a matter of maybe he wants it, maybe he doesn't. Really couldn't blame him either way. Well, we were just talking about the Minnesota Vikings. They're now in seventh spot in the NFC. Who would have thought the way they started this season? They squeak away, squeak right by the Jags on Sunday with an overtime win. Their next four games are going to be tough. You have Tampa Bay, who all of a sudden, they find themselves playing for a simply a playoff position. You have the Bears, who, who knows, maybe you get Matt Nagy's convincing his team that there's a reason to go out and play. And that's a difficult game. You have the New Orleans Saints, who are going to be trying to secure that number one seed. And then yet again, the Detroit Lions, who knows if that game will mean anything when that the time comes. But if it does, that's a very tough final four games. We'll see how that goes. Also for the Jags, man, they've looked so much more competitive here this last few weeks. you got to at least be encouraged if you are a Jaguars fan because, man, on Sunday you thought you found yourself in a really weird roller coaster of emotions. You have part of you, you're like, I really don't want to beat the Vikings because if I beat the Vikings, that means I'm not going to have my pick of the Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. At the same time as that game, the Jets were up and leading very late in the fourth quarter over the Raiders. If the Jets win that game and the Jaguars lose out, the Jaguars are the number one pick in the draft. Now what ends up happening, you get a little good, you get a little bad if you're looking at the draft. The Jaguars, the, the draft wires were unable to get the win in overtime in Minnesota. Yeah, that's not ideal uh, that you're losing games. But at this point of the year, what, why are you trying to win? Let's let's go out. Let's get make sure that we can get one of our guys at a future. And let's try to improve going forward. But I will say this for Mike Glennon. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be the quarterback going forward. He wasn't terrible. 28 to 42, 280. Touchdown, two picks. Wasn't, wasn't by any stretch good. But you can only expect so much, too, on a roster built as it is right now. As for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins continues to play really well this last month or so. Dalvin Cook, they still force the ball down his throat. 
32 uh, carries, 120 yards. And guess what? Justin Jefferson, this guy is a freak, man. Nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Man, you can't replace what Randy Moss has meant to the city of Minneapolis. But, man, Justin Jefferson has found himself in a really good spot to at least ease that transitional pain. Even here, 10, 15 years later, yeah, you have Adam Thielen. Yeah, you had uh, Stefan Diggs. But it's not the same as having that jaw-dropping wide receiver threat that Justin Jefferson is and is capable of being in this league for a very long time. So we'll see that this last month should have Vikings fans very encouraged. And as of right now, the Cardinals, who are one of the teams that they're really going to have to beat out down the stretch here, they're going and they're trending in the other direction. Vikings fans have a lot to be encouraged about going forward. To a tag of Vailoa hosted the Cincinnati Bengals and what was so excited, which, well, let me rephrase that, which was supposed to be the Burrow Tuable. This was so much harder to watch after that. Really kind of bummed everybody out, or at least maybe just me, because I really wanted to see that matchup. What instead we got was a terrible matchup between the Bengals, who are not very good. Uh, They have a technically an NFL quarterback in Brandon Allen Allen right now. Uh, He threw a 72-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd three minutes into the game, and he had like 80 yards passing the rest of the way. I understand that offensive line is phenomenally bad, but come on, man. You got to be doing a little better than that for me. This was a chippy game. A lot of uh, a lot of emotion here. You had some big hits. You had a few ejections. The moment Tyler Boyd was ejected in this game, the chance the Bengals were going to win evaporated immediately. Yeah, this wasn't a very good win for Miami. You don't leave this game feeling too proud or good about yourself. But at the end of the day, we're at that point of the season. You end the third quarter of the NFL year with a win. You're eight and four now, which is one of the best starts Miami's had in a long, long time. Uh, best actually since 2003. So who cares how they come right now? I'm going to have a very similar tune when the Raiders, uh, or when we talk about the Raiders and Jets. If you're a Dolphins fan, you can't be bitching about how these wins come right now. You should just be fired up that you're starting to rack them up once again. You have a quarterback that at least right now you have hope in. Tua, well, yeah, he wasn't perfect on Sunday. Almost threw for three bills and a touchdown. But didn't turn it over there. Gusecki having another good game. Nine catches, 88 yards, and a, another touchdown. We'll see down the stretch how this Dolphins team does do, though, because they are, as of right now, sitting in the wild card spot. I don't believe that they're going to keep that, especially because, well, maybe call me a homer. I don't care. I don't think that the Dolphins can beat a team like the Raiders, and they have that head-to-head. And all of a sudden, then, that might turn into a tiebreaker in its own right. There's a lot of teams better. I, I think this team is just a year away. We've been saying it all year. I like them a lot. I just don't think they're there yet. But I've been a hater all year. Unfortunately for, for Dolphins fans, they they don't have Steven here to defend you this week. He's, he's usually the one telling me I'm an idiot to shut up about them. And for good reason. I mean, this is a team that's won seven of eight games. We'll see once we get down to the nitty-gritty here if they have that winning mentality in the last week or two of the regular season to get them what is a horrible prize, a potential matchup with either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Pittsburgh Steelers. As Steven would say, we're going to chuck it out west now. The New England Patriots. Wow. Simply wow. The Patriots handed the Chargers the largest defeat in the Chargers' long history. And they did it by shutting them out at home. Yeah, I know there's no fans. Yeah, it's coronavirus, Wally. There's no fans. There's not really a home and away. Man, that's an East Coast team traveling all the way to the West Coast to get a win, though. And to do it like that, Anthony Lynn, watch your back. Watch your back. I've already seen people are saying that he's going to only do special teams duties starting this next week. We'll see what that does. It's just, I always get weirded out with these coaches start scrambling and make it look like we're trying anything that we can before he gets fired. I don't even think Anthony Lynn's that bad of a coach. I just think the message is stale in LA right now. And the Chargers, I don't know what they've got to do. They just can't stay healthy. It's year in and year out. But they find themselves in these positions with a very talented team, and they just aren't able to win games. I'm not even going to say can't finish games. They didn't start this one. You lose 45 nothing. That's criminally embarrassing at this level. And it kind of screams gave up on the coach. I think Anthony Lynn will have another job in the NFL. 
I just think that this job is all about over for him right now. As for the Pats, the Pats are 6-6. Six and six. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I know I was just talking about that Dolphins team. Dolphins team's 8-4. and four. They are in the playoffs right now. They have another matchup with New England. Last week of the season. How sweet would it be if you are a Patriots fan to get your sweet revenge for last year when Ryan Fitzpatrick walked into Foxborough and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots and took them away from a bye, which who knows how different last year's postseason goes if Miami doesn't do that in the last week of the season. As it currently sits, the Patriots are in 10th place. That's a, a very, very tough hill to get over now. You have to pass three teams down the stretch here. But lucky for you, if you're a Patriots fan, you do have a tiebreaker over the Raiders. Who knows? You know how Bill Belichick is. You run down the stretch here and you win your last four games, which is a tall task, especially for a team that I'm not really all that high on. But you have four games here. Rams, very difficult. Dolphins, that's, oh, I'm an idiot. I said the Dolphins were the last week of the year and it's week uh, 15. So ignore me. I'm, I'm a clown. Rams, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, three divisional games, three very winnable divisional games. By far the, diff- or the most difficult task on this schedule is this weekend's game against the Rams. But here's the thing. If they can find a way, if Cam Newton and the Patriots can find a way to walk into L.A. and steal a win, they're very much alive in the AFC. Now, if they lose, they're all but dead. We're going to waste a lot of time there. But we'll see. Once we get into that, that's, uh, that's difficult. But they can do it. They're certainly capable of doing it. Team that's not very capable of doing it, though, the Texans. They fall just short. I know that you're four and seven entering this game now four and eight, but man, does this game suck. You are first of all, weird stat. I'm gonna get into a weird part before I go into breaking this down a little bit. At halftime in this game, the Colts were up twenty four to twenty. There were two points scored in the second half of this game. That was right, two. Other than the Colts' safety about midway through the fourth quarter, no one scored in the second half. You were a play away from seeing someone score in the second half, though, with about a minute and a half left in the game. The Texans had the ball second and goal at the two- or three-yard line, and Deshaun Watson fumbles the ball, and the Colts recover it and win. That If you score there, at least then there's a lot of teams out there like the Raiders, like the Browns, like the Dolphins, that really wanted to see Deshaun Watson pull it out there. Unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to do so. Can't say enough about that guy. He just seems to be doing it all by himself and truly by himself now without Will Fuller there with the PED suspension, which that that just really burns. But he had another huge day at 340 passing. Did have the pick and fumble at the end of the game, but he's not getting any other, any other help there. I mean, his top receivers on Sunday were Kiki Cote, or however you pronounce it, and Chad Hansen. You're not going to be winning too many games when you're depending on 240-plus yards receiving from Kiki Cote and Chad Hansen. The Colts, on the other hand, they ran the ball pretty well. Phil Rivers continuing to just... He's at the point now where he's got to be just a glorified game manager, and I think he's, he does a very good job at being a game manager. And because of this win, the Colts will be traveling out west to play the Las Vegas Raiders. And what is turning into... A, if you win, you're in, you lose, you're in trouble game. Colts can't afford to lose another game to one of the teams that they are playing against that they're going to have another tiebreaker. You can't have that now. It's a must win for both the Raiders and the Colts. We'll get into that a little bit in the betting section. But for right now, yeah, this this was an ugly game. Colts defense had a solid game, or a solid second half adjustments, I should say, opposed to just saying a good game. Justin Houston went off on Sunday. He had three sacks. DeForest Buckner added another couple, too. It's just a team that, for years, I never would have thought of the Colts and said, yeah, defense, pretty good. Yeah, offense line, pretty good. Now they're running the ball, and they have a good D. Peyton Manning must be just sitting somewhere, stuffing his face with Papa John's pizza, pissed off and ready to fight somebody. He couldn't get either. Well, he had a good line. Not going to say he didn't have a good line. Didn't run the ball great, though. And the defense, the defense held him back. Peyton Manning should have more than one Super Bowl with the Colts. The teams he had, the offenses they had, if they weren't out there rolling up with, with bottom 10 defenses week in and week out when Peyton Manning was going there, who knows? But that's enough for the, the hair of the dog this week. We can finally get into the fun games, the good games, the ones we want to talk about in the week 
13 recap. The Rams went to Arizona and beat the Cardinals, who are all of a sudden free-falling. This was a really good game for about two and a half, three quarters. Then the Rams just imposed their will in the fourth. They were up at one point, I believe, by uh, 17 in the fourth quarter. Ended up being a 10-point game. Rams are good. I hate that I have to admit that because I have been low on them all year. I picked them to go, I think, 5-11, and 11, maybe 6-10 and 10 in the preseason. No, like I was high on the Cardinals either. This is turning into the battle of teams that I, who I'm lower on. Rams are back tied for the NFC West lead right now, going into the final quarter of the season. This is honestly turning into one of the most fun divisions to watch week in and week out. I don't feel like you really ever know what you're going to get from some of these teams. I mean, the Seahawks lose to the freaking Giants at home. You have the Rams going to Arizona in a game Arizona really had to have, and they didn't get it done. And now we're stuck. Yeah, Kyler Murray's looked good. But all of a sudden, when you slow him up on his legs, you can at least see the offense sputter a little bit. I mean, on Sunday, you got to see he only threw for, I think, buck 73. Buck, but, but yeah, 100, 173 yards. Yeah, he did three touchdowns. But when you're able to slow up that rush attack out there in Arizona, you're really able to control the game, really put Arizona in a position to play from behind, which I don't think they're very comfortable doing so. Not like anybody wants to play from behind. But when you have a team that's not able to pass all that effectively, it's even that much harder. Now you lose four of your last five, too. And not to mention, too, credit to the Rams' defense. They had a pick six, and they had a fumble late in the fourth quarter that ultimately flipped it. Because, yeah, as I'm looking at this right now, they were only up three early in the fourth, and then those two things happen, and you're looking at a 38-21 lead, and it was all over at that point. But back to the Cardinals. They've lost four or five now. The Cardinals, you lose four or five games. You look bad doing that. And you're 6-6 six and six now. I think at this moment, if I had to choose, I think I'd leave the uh, Cardinals out of the playoffs. And lucky for them, too, it's not the AFC, because the AFC is a lot harder to freaking get in right now. You're 6-6. Six and six. I mean, we're talking about the Patriots. Is this snowball's chance in hell team at 6-6? Six and six. Out here, you have the Vikings now ahead of you. I guess the only thing that they can look at and be a little hopeful for is that Tampa Bay is fading too. And if Tampa Bay does manage to continue to struggle as the Cardinals are struggling, maybe you just kind of slow your free fall up just enough to manage to stay above that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. So we'll see. But as of right now, not feeling all that good about the Arizona Cardinals anymore. But going to their division rivals and the Rams division rivals, the Seattle Seahawks hosted the New York football Giants. I want to talk about the Giants first. This team was 1-7 this year. And all of a sudden, don't look now, they're 5-7 and seven with the lead in that pus division. And the crazy enough, or craziest thing about it all is it's Cole McCoy. It's not even Daniel Jones out there at quarterback. This was a mind-boggling loss for the Seahawks. First home loss of the entire season. And it's to this Giants team. To Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman, of all people, that's the one-two punch that that knocked you off. I mean, this Seahawks team is so frustrating. It feels like every single time I'm ready to say that they're a Super Bowl favorite, they have a game like this. Now, if I'm going to spin zone this for the Seahawks, the defense is starting to look pretty good. This is a defense at the start of the year we were joking around saying it's one of the worst, if not the worst, in the entire league. I mean, now you're talking about Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner taking off. Yeah, after the last couple weeks, Carlos Dunlap's kind of returned back to his Cincinnati form. But the fact that you even have offensive linemen that are going to have to double-team Carlos Dunlap occasionally on a a passing situation, it opens things up for other people. But yeah, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams combined for 18 tackles on Sunday, two tackles for a loss. This defense has the pieces there to be a Super Bowl threat. You need to play a complete 60-minute game. And we really haven't seen that here for quite some time from Seattle. Last month down the stretch here is going to be a very interesting dynamic between that Rams team we were just talking about and the Seahawks team. I still, at this moment, think the Seahawks are going to win that home game against the Rams here in a couple weeks, and I think that's going to ultimately be the saving grace for this team. But they need to watch their backs, and they need to watch their backs fast. Russ was sacked five times as well on Sunday. He's not been his best this last month and a half ever since the world was melting with the whole let Russ cook movement, and Russell Wilson had a monster start to the year. P. 
people were saying unanimous MVP. Now, all of a sudden, we're a month and a half removed. And once again, we're thinking, is this another year Russell Wilson won't have an MVP vote? They've only, I mean, they're only three and four now since they opened the year at five and one. A lot to think about out there. Real quick on the Giants, though. All of a sudden, Washington and New York, both at five and seven, both stunning Super Bowl contenders this last weekend. Who's the winner or who's still going to win this division? I mean, if Colt McCoy's in there, I think it's easy to say that I'm going to lean Washington. But hey, who knows? Daniel Jones comes back. That's a giant team that was playing a lot of cl- close games and losing close games early in the year. And they're starting to win them now. They're starting to win them now. And they have the tiebreaker over Washington. They've swept them this year. Won 20 to 19 and 23 to 20. So it's as simple as this. The Giants, you need to do whatever Washington does down the stretch, and you'll be the winner. Do they make that happen? They play the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. Only sure win I feel on that board is the Cowboys. Could they steal a win against the Browns, the Cardinals, or the Ravens? Sure. I don't think there's any chance you steal more than one of those games, though. And is 7-9 good enough? I mean, in any other division, we say no chance. But right now, Washington football team, I think 7-9 is good enough. Washington ain't going to manage to go 3-1 and one down the stretch, especially when you factor in they're playing the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Panthers, and the Eagles. Yeah, it's an easier schedule than New York's, but I can see them losing any single one of those games. I'm really high on Scary Terry and Chase Young, though. But if you're asking me right now, I'm picking the New York Giants. They've played too well this last month and a half. I just have a real difficult time betting on the Washington offense. Both these offenses are bad, but I think narrowly I would go with New York's before I'd go with Washington's at the moment, assuming that Daniel Jones comes back. I mean, that's a perfect segue, though. We might as well keep talking about Washington right now. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, the 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. They're down 14-0 in this game, but just chip away at the lead. And the Steelers, uncharacteristic to themselves, shot themselves in the foot repeatedly in this game. The Steelers have had significant drop problems these last several weeks. I think a lot of it, though, I'm not going to overly panic if I'm a Steelers fan. You've known what this team has been all year. You know who you are. Yeah, everybody's calling you frauds, all that. Who cares what other people think? You know what the team you have. They're a team that on their best day can beat anybody. And that's all it comes down to for any team. You get in the playoff, that's all you ask for. You want to have a shot against anybody. And the Steelers have as good as a shot against Kansas City as anybody else in football. I'm not throwing them to the dogs. Because of one bad game. You have the tiebreaker over Kansas City right now for the one seed. So it comes down to simply you have to win down the stretch to get that by. Otherwise, you are going to be matched up in the wild card round with a team like the Raiders, a team like the Colts, a team like the Dolphins. This is the year where a seven-seeded wild card in the AFC is not a gimme. And at this point, it's a real advantage to have an extra game off, an extra week of rest, and not having to face a potential upset candidate like the Raiders, Dolphins, or Colts. Got to respond this next weekend, and I think they will, but we'll get into that later. As for Washington, they stuffed the Steelers on fourth and goal at the one. Chase Young, guy's kind of good. Alex Smith, he continued his great story. As Washington, they won their third straight game. It, it's crazy to look at two five and seven teams, and I know I've said the last three weeks, but man, this is a blast. This division is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a bad kind of fun, but it's a lot of fun. These teams aren't going to win the Super Bowl. They probably won't even win a game, but just to win this division and potentially cost themselves a top 10, 12 pick, it's hilarious to me that you're going to see a team like that host a playoff game instead of getting the next freaking stud at eight, an eighth overall in April. I won't even hide it. I'm, simple. I'm rooting for Washington down the stretch. I hope they do win the NFCs. I don't know if they have it. I think I'll give you an answer next week after this next week's games, but we'll get we'll, we'll get more into them. We'll get more into the Giants and more into the Steelers once we get into the gambling portion. I'm really high on them though. The moral of the story is this: if you're a Steelers fan, just don't panic. This is this happens. It's the NFL. It's hard. It's sometimes I guess when you go 11 and 0 to start the year, you forget how hard it is to just win in the NFL. But this is just a testament to that. That's all this is. But in order for the Steelers to hold on to the one seed in the AFC, they're going to have to beat the 9-3 Cleveland Browns, who beat the shit out of Tennessee this weekend. It looked a lot closer if you just look at the score at the end. Or they were up 38-7 at halftime in this game. 
completely let their foot off the gas, ran the ball the entire second half, played a very soft defense, a lot of zone, kept everything in front of them to hold uh, the Titans far enough away where it wasn't a big deal. Baker Mayfield and that Cleveland Browns offense was clicking on all cylinders. I feel like Browns fans have been waiting for this for years. This is what happens when you have consistency in an offense and a consistency with a head coach. And this is still only the first year with Stefanski. Give it time. I think this marriage with Stefanski is at least a five-year marriage. And all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield haters out there got a lot more quiet this last week and looked a lot more like the number one pick we expected him to be. Occasionally, you're going to have a game like this from Baker where he's going to go out and show everybody why he is or was taken number one overall. This was a game the Browns needed to win. I felt like every single Twitter fan, radio personality, buddy, if you were affiliated or rooting for the Browns, you had the ultimate pit in your stomach this week. You were so nervous. You realized, similarly to other teams in the league where people have been calling them overrated, everybody's like, wow, look at what the Browns have been doing. They're beating nobodies. They're beating nobodies by three points. They're beating nobodies in basically tornadoes and freaking snowstorms. And we didn't know what to make of this team. They needed to play a team like the Titans. We needed to see, I mean, earlier in the year, they got killed by both the Ravens and the Steelers. It's tough to shake that stigma, but I think this is a really good first step. And then you couple that with the idea, the Browns last four games, we're going to find out a lot about them. They got the Ravens and the Steelers still. You win one game though, if you're a Browns fan, you're likely in the playoffs, which has got to just be surreal to hear. I mean, this is the best or the most games over 500 the Browns have been since 1994. It's the most 30-point games they've had since 1987. They haven't made the playoffs since 2002, 2003, one of those two years where they were up like 17 points in the third quarter in Pittsburgh and choked it away and lost. This is a Browns team, a Browns fan base that has been thirsting for this for such a long time. If you are a Browns fan, don't feel bad about your team being 9-3 and right now. You deserve it. Every now and then, you know what? You have the schedule. The stars line up like they have where you don't play competitive teams. And you do end up with records like this. That's not your fault. This isn't college football. You play who's on your schedule, and that's that. Titans, they're still very much alive in the AFC wildcard round or uh, wildcard race, too. So I'm not giving up on them whatsoever. They're 8-4. and four. They're still sitting pretty pretty. This is one of those games you just throw out. This is the bury the football game. You don't. If anything, you go and say, hey, you know what? We outscored them 28-3 in the second half. Yeah, the Browns weren't playing anymore. But you won. You won the second half 28-3. You at least showed signs of life. You guys able to take one on the chin and have a chance to onside kick to have the ball late in the game. You still have a shot to win the division. You're tied with the Colts right now at 8-4. and four. You even have the tiebreaker going into the last quarter of the season. And you have the Jaguars, the Lions, the Packers, and the Texans. You should win three of those four games. And who knows if how into the Packers game, the Packers will be. They're likely going to be very secure with the NFC North title by that point. They probably won't be fighting to get that by. At least I don't think they are. I know Steven's a little low on the team. I think the Saints are in a very good position. Who knows? Maybe the, the Packers do have a shot and they give it their all that night. But you have a chance if you're the Titans. You could still finish 11-5, and 12-4 and, and win the division. But the way to get there is you got to start going back to Derrick Henry. When you've been losing games this year, Derrick Henry's not getting the ball enough. I'm going to just run through this real quick to make this simple. 31 carries, win. 25 carries, win. 26 carries, win. 22 carries, win. 28 carries, win. 27 carries, win. Now you go to the fewer carries of the year. 20, 18, 19, 15. All of those are losses. Derrick Henry is the last remaining 1985 running back. He's Earl Campbell. He's the Nigerian nightmare. He's Jerome Bettis. He's one of those guys just playing 2020 football, and he's running it down people's throat. He feels impossible to get hurt. He never seems dinged up. If anything, he's delivering the blow, delivering those hits to the defenders. This is a team that is built to win through Derrick Henry and not through Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I know that uh, Corey Davis had a monster game on Sunday. A lot of that goes, once again, into what the Browns were doing and the fact that the Titans did fall behind so far. If you fall behind 38-7, to you have to abandon the run. I'm not arguing that much. I'm just saying that Derrick Henry needs to be touching the ball at minimum 25 times a game. He is the last of that breed of running back. You see it throughout the games. If he's getting 15, 20 touches, 
by about the mid-third quarter or so. Guess what happens? That defense is getting fatigued. That defense isn't able to tackle that bull anymore. I mean, the guy's 6'3", 250 pounds. No one's trying to get in front of that 25 times a game. He needs to touch the ball. But I digress. By the way, he's not an MVP candidate. I don't care how much weed Steven is smoking before the show. Derrick Henry is not an MVP candidate. But I digress, Steven. You get home, you get healthy, enjoy your sleep, drink some honey. You're good, man. Get that throat better so we can argue next week about how you're wrong yet again. And also that Henry Ruggs is better than Alan Lazard. Have fun with that. Anyways, the Josh Allen-led Buffalo Bills go to San Francisco and hand him another L this week. San Francisco falls short, lose by 10. It just it, it feels like they've put up such a valiant fight this year, considering all the injuries they've had, considering the fact that Nick Mullins is the quarterback. And I give all the credit to Kyle Shanahan for that. But there's a point where you just say, hey, this team isn't good enough to get it done. And that's where we're at. San Francisco's dead this year. It's a bummer. It's a lot of fun when you watch that defense at full, full health, and it's just not healthy right now. Uh, the Bills kind of dominated this game. San Francisco scored late to make it look a little bit closer. But yeah, the one-point road dog went in and just dominated San Francisco from start to finish. Josh Allen went 32 of 40, 375 for four touchdowns. They're not going to beat the Buffalo Bills when Josh, Allen's is, Josh Allen is playing that way. This is a team that you have to force turnovers from Josh Allen, and if you're not able to do that, you're not going to beat them. I think Buffalo is going to win the AFC East. I think that you're finally going to see the Bills have a home playoff game at the Ralph, and go figure there won't be fans there. That's so unfair. We need Bills Mafia back in action. We need Bills Mafia. I need the videos. I need to see them every Sunday about some like pregnant mom jumping through a table from 30 feet up probably hammered drunk with the baby and everything. That's what I miss about Buffalo. And right now, we're not getting the full Buffalo experience. And it feels like we're getting robbed. And I can only imagine what it feels like to be a Buffalo Bills fan. Because you deserve this. You deserve this. And I'm happy for you. I think America's rooting for you. We're just happy that the the Patriots are going to get upstage. We will celebrate. We will see you guys celebrate. Hopefully, it's in 2021. Hopefully, we have fans back and everything's... Getting close to back to normal when that day comes. But man, that that's an exciting team with an excited bunch of fans right now. And who knows? Let's see. I mean, there's a very good chance you're going to end up seeing that Buffalo Bills team matched up with the Cleveland Browns. And what a first-round matchup that would be. Two desperately hungry fan bases just wanting to be competitive. These teams aren't asking to win Super Bowls. These teams are just wanting to be able to enjoy watching their team on Sunday and not have to worry about turning it on NFL primetime or NFL live and hearing their team get dragged for 20 minutes by everybody there being the butt of the joke of the NFL. It's over. Those days are done. Browns, Bills, I hope it happens. That would be great. Guarantee us at least one of those teams get the move on. I think both of those cities would make that trade right now. And it's not even that long ago, as I transition, look at this seamless transition, that the Kansas City fans were at least in that similar hungry stage for a championship. Kansas City hadn't won a championship in 50 years. And then this guy, Patrick Mahomes, heard he's pretty good at football. He comes along, and all of a sudden the Chiefs don't lose football games. We're talking right now, yeah, they barely squeaked past the Broncos this week. Broncos are dead. I'm not going to waste my time with them. If anybody wants to give me a hard time about me not talking about the Broncos, that's fine, whatever. This Chiefs team is 10-1, and one, and we're walking around like, ooh, the Chiefs aren't that good. This Chiefs team is very beatable. Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback. No joke, that, that's a thing going on right now. How? We're in this point in the NFL where it feels like no one's allowed to be good. We have to tear everybody down. Think about it. this year. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Green Bay, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. All these teams, we can't just say... Yeah, they're, they're a Super Bowl contender. They've got a lot of pieces to work with. It's, oh, man, the Chiefs, you know, they didn't cover minus 13 and a half last week. They, I don't know. Oh, you know, the, the, the Saints right now, they're not as flashy as we thought they'd be. Oh, you know what? The Steelers, they kind of suck. 10 and 1, worst 10 and 1 team or 11 and 1 team of all time. Steelers were 11 and 0, and you would think that that team was 7 and 5 fighting for a wild card berth if you listen to the media. And here's my theory on the Chiefs. I truly just think they're bored. 
they are at least going into this week. I think that they expected Pittsburgh to have the easy hold on number one, especially with their schedule down the stretch. Kansas City all but has the AFC West one already. I think they're just bored. This is very similar to last year. We we were doing the same song and dance a year ago. Wow, Kansas City doesn't look as good as we thought they would. They and then they lose that game to the Titans where it felt like the Titans, I think, scored like 20 points in the fourth quarter, and we all but gave up on the Chiefs. Everybody's just like, oh, man, they're not that good. Maybe we were too high on them. What did the Chiefs do? They've won every single game they've played except for one since then. Gets the Raiders, not a big deal. They've won every game but one in the last year, and we're talking about how this team's not that good. Newsflash, they are. That's a team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year. If you can get good value now, go find that line because they're going to win the Super Bowl. Probably the second best team in the entire league, the Las Vegas Raiders. Who said that? The Las Vegas Raiders. They go to the 0-11 New York Jets. Probably a bad transition for me considering what's about to happen. That second best team in the NFL, the Raiders, were trailing until five seconds left against the New York Jets, who are winless, who inspired a conspiracy and scandal on Sunday. There's a legitimate large portion of NFL fans that think that the Jets made some kind of secret call to deliberately lose to the Raiders. Now, I'm going to tell you why you're an idiot if you believe that. First of all, Greg Williams, this is what he's made his entire career on. He blitzes more than anybody in the league. He's the Don Brown of the NFL. He does not care what you think. He does not care what I think. He is going to go out and call whatever game he thinks is best for his team. I disagree with it a hell of a lot. I know a lot of Browns fans still remember the Jabril Peppers playing 30 yards off the ball as a safety. You got blitzes and you got a safety playing in another area code with Greg Williams. More the same here. Was it ridiculous? Was it the first time in 250 situations that an eight-man pressure was called there? Yes. Why would Greg Williams agree to, to intentionally lose? Why would Adam Case decide to intentionally lose when they will not have a job at the end of the year. Greg Williams is already attached to an 0-16 team. I guarantee he does want does not want any part of that again. Do you think Adam Gase wants to be attached to an 0-16 team? Those guys aren't going to get real good jobs ever again if that happens. And Greg Williams, the, the same Greg Williams that basically hates half the players and half his coaching staff, he's going to take the fall for them because he got fired after that call. He got fired after the call. That was terrible, and no one's defending it. Not to mention, if Greg Williams, they asked him to do this, and then go figure, you fire him, what's he going to do? He's going to be pissed off, and he's going to tell somebody. And if you tell somebody, what's that going to happen? You thought the Patriots losing a third-round pick and a million dollars was a lot for filming that Browns-Bengals game last year? What do you think literally changing the integrity of the game would mean? Because guess what? You're, You're changing the outlook of the next 20 years of the NFL. If Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields turns out to be a franchise quarterback and you flip-flop one of them because the Jets intentionally lose a meaningless game in November, that's a big freaking deal. That is a big deal. The Jets are just incompetent and Greg Williams made a terrible call. That's it. End of story. There's no conspiracy here, folks. Now, as for the Raiders, I'll bring it up for them real quick because, man, this last two weeks has been a little tough. A little tough. Not going to lie to you guys. The offensive line has finally broken. There are so many injuries on this line. It was It's the most expensive line in the entire NFL. Trent Brown's basically not played this year. Richie Incognito's out for the remainder of the year. Denzel Good's hurt. Colt Miller's been banged up. Gabe Jackson's been on the injury report. And they managed throughout the year to be able to hold up. Finally, we got to see it last week in Atlanta. I thought it was an aberration. But you got to see Atlanta get pressure on Derek Carr. And the offense looked a lot different. It continued again this Sunday. Part of it is credit to Greg Williams because they blitzed a lot. They brought too many people. We didn't have the people to to protect Eric Carr. They didn't have enough guys inside. This next week, Trent Brown is supposedly going to be back. If that happens, we might see a difference. But right now, if the Raiders, I mean, if they stumble into Sunday with the offensive line play they've got the last two weeks, DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston are going to eat. Now, the defense hasn't looked all that bad the last few weeks. Gave up a couple late scores, one of them being right after a Henry Ruggs fumble in the fourth quarter that I thought cost the Raiders a game. 
Thank you, H3, for the game winner later. You redeemed yourself. Very happy with you. But they've looked good. I can't complain at all in the last few weeks. Clean Farrell had the best game of his young career on Sunday as well with a couple sacks, a couple forced fumbles. We recovered both. Who knows what we're talking about in this game if those sacks don't happen. There was a stretch where three straight drives for the Jets ended in with the turnover. I mean, even if one of those go a different way, we might be talking about the Jets winning this game. In fact, we should be talking about the Jets winning this game anyways. Got lucky. Raiders picked up a blitz. Great block by Jalen Richard to allow Henry Ruggs to get open on the fly route. Should he have been in one-on-one coverage? Should they have been playing zero coverage? No, absolutely not. But they were, and it happened. They won. I'm not sorry. Go Raiders are 7-5. and five, Very much alive with the game of the year on Sunday. We'll get more to that in a minute. But Stevens Green Bay Packers put down Carson Wentz. And the Packers are officially the ones to do it. We have to go looking forward as to whether or not this Eagles team can find a partner to eat some of that salary. Because I really think you're going to have to find something like a Houston Texans, Cleveland Brown situation with Brock Osweiler if you expect Carson Wentz to move. He's accounting for basically $50 million of dead money if he's not on the roster next year and $30 million the following year. Someone has to eat that because the Eagles aren't going to pay $50 million to see that quarterback in another city. About five years ago, the Browns traded the Texans, basically took the salary aspect of Brock Osweiler in exchange for a second-round pick. And Brock Osweiler. Didn't play much. Did not play much. But they did inherit that that salary for a second-rounder. Would a team like the Colts, Frank Reich, look at that. If someone loves Carson Wentz, look who it is. But here's the deal. Are the the Colts going to be willing to eat $20 million, $30 million? I mean, they might have to. And if the Eagles want to get rid of him, you're going to have to give up more than a second. We might end up seeing the Eagles trade a first-round draft pick and their former number 2 overall quarterback just get rid of his contract off that team. Or at the very least, you might have to see multiple picks later in the draft. And I don't know if you're going to get anybody to be willing to take on that money. The Eagles suck. And Jalen Hurts, everybody getting excited because he comes in and sparked the Eagles a little bit when the Packers were probably disinterested up three scores. Who gives a shit? Eagles are dead, man. This is awesome. This is awesome, and no one deserves it more. Green Bay, on the other hand, you have Aaron Rodgers finally throwing his 400th touchdown. And by finally, I mean, the guy did, got there pretty quick. That's pretty good, huh? Devontae Adams, that guy's a ridiculous athlete. One of the best. He's quietly in the conversation for best wide receiver in the NFL. And I don't know why. I think it might just simply be because he's with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves. The guy's outstanding. This team dominated top to bottom, too, on the weekend. Here, listen to some of these. Aaron Jones, 15 rushes, 130 yards, touchdown. Devontae Adams, 10 receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers, 25-34, 295, three touchdowns. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I know Steven's pretty low, and he has a reason to be. You play a physical team, Packers typically sw- or, like shrivel up a little bit. But you put them on Lambeau. I don't care if there's nobody there or not. You put them on Lambeau in January when it's negative 10 degrees and everyone's miserable. Every hit hurts more than it usually does because of the freezing cold. I am having a really difficult time betting against the hometown Packers. And if they can find a way, find a way to get the number one seed. I mean, no one wants to go to Lambeau. And that buy is going to be special. People are going to need it. But also, you got to give a little bit of credit to the Packers' defense as well. They ended up with seven uh, sacks on Sunday. Not used to hearing that from them, but it is the Philadelphia Eagles' offense, which is alarmingly bad in their own right. Seven of freaking Philadelphia's 16 points on Sunday came up from the Jalen Rieger or Rhaegar. I never know how to say his damn name. Punt return, 73 yards and a touchdown there. But it's 30-9 otherwise, and people are talking about Jalen Hurts like he did something special when he came in. When Jalen Hurts came in, this is how low the bar is in Philly. I'll start with Carson Wentz just to give a little bit of perspective here. Carson Wentz went 6-15 of 15 for 79 yards and was sacked four times. Not good. Not good. But then Jalen Hurts comes in, and this is what amazes me. He's the starter, and people are excited. He's 5-12, of 12, 109, a touchdown a pick and sacked three times himself. 
The bar is so low. The bar is so low in Philly, and it's just genuinely pleasing. And I think we can finally say they're dead in the water. They're not coming back in the NFC East. I think this game all but did it. This weekend was bad for them. You're only half a game back. You feel pretty good about yourself. But then the Giants go to Seattle, get a win. And then you have Washington going to Pittsburgh and getting a win. No one saw that coming. I certainly didn't. But that's going to bring us to the end of the recap. I will go fast here as we go into our bets because I know the solo episodes are a little harder to listen to. They're a little harder simply to do because you're doing so many things at once. I'm checking to make sure things are recording, checking to make sure I have my stats in front of me, all that. So if it is a sloppy show, I apologize to you guys. Hope you're having a good time, though. But we have to go to our bets now. What the hell's going on out here? And I have to give a little props to Steven here, first of all, because Steven last week had Washington Moneyline. I think it would be wrong for him not to get credit on that just because he's out sick the following week. But that's okay, because who cares? I went 11-3. and three. If you followed me last week, you're making cha-ching. And we're back. We're doing it again. I'm going to rally off real quick Steven's picks as well with mine so that it can be clear. He sent me a little map and with a sentence on why he picks each one. So we'll start here. New England's going to Los Angeles to face the Rams in a very important game for both of these teams. I'll let Steven do his picks first, but these are the FanDuel Lions, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, all of them. Everybody in the state, legal gambling. You have uh, Barstool Sports app. You also have the FanDuel one. I did FanDuel this week just to get these lines so you know where they're all coming from here. New England to Los Angeles. The Rams are five and a half point favorites. Steven has both Rams, or um, he just did spreads. He just did spreads. It's like normal. He picked Rams minus five and a half. His reasoning runs defense, will cause Cam to throw the ball, and good luck with Ramsey out there. Man, he's got some spelling problems, man. He sucks at spelling on here. This is crazy. Anyways, Rams, minus five and a half. I agree with that. I, I really want to imagine that this is a tight game, but I think the Rams are just too good. Cam Newton's from five touchdown passes this year. Whoa. Uh, whoa. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with him here. I simply think that the defense of the Rams is going to be too much for the, the Patriots. I actually think the Rams win by a couple touchdowns here. Arizona, they're minus three going to the Giants. The Cardinals are spiraling. Meanwhile, the Giants have won four straight games for the first time in like five years. Steven has Giants plus three. Arizona has not done anything lately for me to take them comfortably in this game. Giants D-line versus O-line with will be the deciding factor of this game. So he's going with the Giants. And honestly, here, yet again, I'm going to agree with them. I'm not only going to agree, though, is I'm taking a money line for the Giants as well. They're playing really good football right now, even if it is Colt McCoy back there. I have a lot of faith in that Giants team across the board. Got to give Joe Judge credit. He is He's done much better than I expected to this fast with this team. I think it happens again this week. And with a loss, I think Arizona is going to put themselves in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And I'll tell you why later when we get to that Vikings-Tampa Bay game. Wink, wink. Let's see where I go there. The Cowboys. Minus three and a half at Cincinnati. I think Steven says it about perfectly here. He says, Cowboys minus three and a half. Bengals have no right winning another game the rest of the year. Cowboys should get their head out of their ass this week at least. This has nothing. This pick has nothing to do with the Cowboys for me, and it's all about the Bengals. And I know that there's a few of you Bengal buddies of mine that listen to this, and I love you guys. Love your team. And also, I'm glad that I just mentioned that. I don't usually shout out friends on here, but my buddy Jackson Day had a $10 parlay over the weekend that would have returned over 500 bucks. Everything was perfect on it except for uh, the overhit last night because Dallas continues to rack up points as the potential worst defense in NFL history. And he scored a couple late in that game too, which kind of screwed him. So Jackson, my bad. Sorry that you lost your, your chance at 500 there. But yeah, you're one of the Bengal fans. You guys out there, all you Bengal fans, you you should probably just not watch the last four games. You, you've already seen this enough last year, and you've seen enough the last couple weeks. Brandon Allen sucked. Ryan Finley now. I haven't looked. I, I saw him come in late in the game because of Brandon Allen injury. If Ryan Finley's starting again, it's just love yourself more than that. Don't watch the game on Sunday. That's three hours you should be doing anything but watching that game. I think the Cowboys' defense is one of the worst, if not the worst of all time. In that set, I think the Bengals' offense is almost equally as bad. 
I think the Cowboys defense, even for a week, is going to look like they know what they're doing out there. And they might, who knows, you get lucky and the Giants lose. You get lucky and Washington loses. All of a sudden, you find yourself right back in the thick of things. Dallas minus three and a half money line as well. Denver at minus three, three and a half Carolina. Steven goes Denver plus three and a half. This is a field goal game written all over it. These two, uh, two teams play or love to play one possession games. I'm going to disagree here with Steven. I'm taking Carolina money line in minus three and a half. Denver's kind of rolled over here last month. I know they played the Chiefs tough on Sunday or on Monday. Excuse me. Matt Rule has his uh, Panthers team playing about as well as anybody could expect this year. And Denver, I just don't think it's that good. Vaughn Miller saw a cool little tattoo of his. He got the Joker smiley face over his ankle scar. Hopefully he's going to be back before too long. But yeah, they, Carolina, they win, they cover. Very low on Denver this year. I just don't really care. They're gone. They're dead to me. Out of here. Following one, Houston minus one and a half at Chicago. Stevens, text here. Fuck the Bears. Houston minus one and a half as long as Mitch is your leader. Yeah, you know what? I, I saw the last part in as funny as it is. He's right. There's not really a quarterback on that roster, though, I'd be fired up about right now. And as bad as Texans have played this year, Deshaun Watson still looks good. And I think he's simply too talented for the Chicago team. And I think that Houston does win and cover the one and a half. KC minus seven and a half going to Miami. Steven has Miami minus seven and a half. Chiefs have been having some close games. Miami have been uh, surprising against teams this year and play great at home. He's right about playing great at home. I do think that they cover this game, but the Chiefs do win. Chiefs all of a sudden have something to play for, have to keep an eye a little bit on that Steelers team. Hopefully, if uh, if I'm a Chiefs fan, it very much not, so they can go to hell. The Steelers lose a game. If Steelers lose a game, I don't see Kansas City finding a way to lose down the stretch here. They have that home bye, or they have a bye and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Give it up. It's over. No one wants to go to KC, especially the way they have been the last two years. Last, honestly, 12 months. Chiefs win, but I think the Dolphins cover late. Minnesota is a six and a half point underdog going to Tampa Bay. Steven says Dalvin Cook versus the number one rushing defense in the NFL, but he's taking Minnesota plus six and a half playoff run for, uh, for the Vikes. They will have to rely on Kirk Cousins in this game. I don't think because he didn't write it down here. You know how Steven likes to just basically pick spreads only. He didn't pick money line here, but it feels like that was a thought in his mind, or at least he thinks that it's going to be a very tight game. I'm going to go all the way. Uh, and, and go with what I believe Steven's trying to say. I think the Vikings win this game outright. Tampa Bay's looked really suspect the last month or so. And meanwhile, the Vikings are playing their best football the entire season. Steven brought it up with Tampa Bay having the best rushing defense in the NFL. I just don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I think Kirk Cousins playing good enough football right now that as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, they will play this game tight all, for, all the whole way. And I don't know what it is. This Vikings team right now, I just think that they are going to make the playoff run that he just alluded to in his little note to me here. I think he's right. And I think the Vikings win outright. That's my big pick of the week right there. Now, Tennessee, minus 7.5. They're going to Jacksonville. Jacksonville certainly doesn't want to win this game, but look, they've been playing good football. They've been playing a lot of teams close. Steven says, Tennessee minus 7.5. Derrick Henry being held to 60 yards last week. He will be ready to explode against a division foe. And Derrick Henry has been making his... Uh, Living off of these division games. He's right. And I think a lot of us do remember Derrick Henry's run, 99-yard run against that Jaguars team either last year or the year before. You heard me say it. I think he needs to be touching it 25 times a game. I think they get back to that formula on the weekend. And I do think they win. I think they do cover. Jacksonville does look at least competitive right now. And I think that's all you can ask for as a fan. Now we're going out to Vegas where Steven's staying away. Left nothing. He just said, I don't want to, I don't want to touch this game. I don't blame him because I think a lot of people outside of these fan bases really don't know what to make of either of these teams. The Colts are two and a half point road dogs, though. And I'm going to tell you why they're going to lose. I'm going to tell you why the Raiders are going to win outright. In the last few years, Phil Rivers has been struggling against the Raiders defense for seemingly no reason. And the Raiders seem to have the Chargers number with uh, Phil Rivers there. I think it's going to be kind of similar. I know that the Pass rush for the Colts is going to be the biggest reason they could win this game. I am going under the assumption that Trent Brown is back. And between Colton Miller and Trent Brown, it's it, it's a very good tackle tandem. I think your biggest issues are going to be inside, but I trust Rodney Hudson, who's the best center in the entire league, to be able to figure out how to 
control that interior pass rush. And if they do manage to do that, I think the Raiders are going to go back the way they looked a few weeks ago offensively at the very least. I think that they're going to look like a team that can score on any given possession. I mean, entering this last week, the Raiders scored on about 50% of their possessions, which is crazy good. It's crazy efficient. Now, on the other side of the ball, though, the Raiders really struggled to, to stop the run. Makai Becton had a game, and my God, I know that this is uh, going back to the Jets a little bit here. He's going to be special. You see him jump out of a pull at the combine, you knew the guy was going to be good. That's just like one of those things. Our, our dumb brains are like, oh, wow, guy jumped out of a pool, going to be good at football. Well, it translated. He helped run it down the Raiders' throat in the fourth quarter, and it was part of the reason why the Jets were going to win that game. Obviously, it didn't happen that way. But, man, the Raiders struggled against the run. And with Quentin Nelson in that Colts offensive line, I know they've struggled a little bit here the last month or so. You remember specifically the nine penalty or nine holding penalties against the Packers not too long ago. That makes it tough. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being a homer here, but I am taking the Raiders. I am going to take them money line and covering the spread. Now, talking about Makai Becton's New York Jets, they're 13 and a half point dogs in Seattle. I think I'm not going to overthink this. Oh, yeah, here, let me read Stevens here before uh, I get too far into this. He goes, not uh, hard not taking the Jets after coming uh, close the last couple weeks. Seahawks are hungry yet traveling across the country. He's taking the Jets plus 13.5. I disagree. I think I'm going to not overthink this one. The Seahawks defense is looking better. If they manage to hold the Jets to 10 to 17 points, which I think is very, very likely, I think the Seahawks cover easy. In fact, if there's a game this week, I think I'm betting hard. I think it is this Seattle game, or I think it'd be the, the Dallas game. But those two games, for sure. Seattle, hammer 13.5. Stevens nuts. I don't think the Jets can keep it up simply on a lack of talent front. Now, the Falcons are 2.5-point favorites going to L.A. to face the Chargers. Stevens says to hammer the over, wait for the line. If it does or gets to 3, 3.5, take the Chargers. I'm going to say screw that. I'm taking the Chargers right now anyways. I'm taking the money line as well. You lose 45 nothing in the NFL. I feel like there's an element of pride here that can't be overlooked. That's a te- It's a good team, too. I don't care what that score said last week. That is a quality team. I think that they're deeper than the Atlanta Falcons, and I think that Justin Herbert's finally going to get back to his old ways and get back and get another W finally, but the over is correct. I think that you do hammer the over. I don't care if it's set for 175 in this one. I feel like Justin Herbert and Matt Ryan are going to shell each other this weekend. And I'm taking the Chargers to win in a, in a shootout. Stevens Packers, seven and a half point favorites against Detroit. Stevens says Green Bay all day at seven and a half. Aaron is feeling himself, playing a division foe. He dominates and will uh, continue this again this week. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I completely agree. I don't think Detroit's anything. I don't think that they realistically believe they have a shot at the playoffs and they're going to be kind of disinterested. Meanwhile, you're going to have a Packers team that has every reason to keep an eyeball on the New Orleans Saints and try to sleep in their warm beds before playing on a frozen field in the middle of January. So we'll see. But I think the Packers minus seven and a half in money line as well. Saints minus seven at Philadelphia. Steven says plus seven Philly all day. Jalen Hurts time. He showed flashes against Green Bay, rallying his team to play better on the road. Steven, you're an idiot. New Orleans minus seven, win big. Philly is a dump. They have a shitty football team, and it perfectly reflects the city City now. I think you might actually see New Orleans hold Philadelphia under 14 points this weekend. I'm taking the Saints big, minus seven, and money line. Washington is traveling to San Francisco, who is a four-point home favorite. Steven says, Washington plus four in the under. Defensive battle here in San Francisco. They've been playing well, but the Washington football team is hungry and still in the playoff chase. Yeah, I agree. There's not going to be a lot of points here, but here's my thing. Another underdog here. This has kind of been my trend the last few weeks. I don't know what it is, but I am agreeing with him. I feel the same way. I'm taking Washington to win this game outright, too. All of a sudden, these teams between them and the Giants are both playing good football. And the Alex Smith-Washington football team, they've won three straight here. I think they very much could walk into San Francisco and get it done here. Low-scoring game, I agree. But the fighting Alex Smiths are going to get it done this week and win outright. Now, this is honestly the one that shocked me most on here. The Pittsburgh Steelers lose their first game and Vegas abandoned ship. Pittsburgh's a point and a half dog here against Buffalo. I understand Buffalo's a good team. 
I simply don't know how you make a one-loss Pittsburgh Steelers team a dog coming off a loss. I feel like they're going to come into this game extra hungry. I think Josh Allen's really going to struggle. And here, I probably should also say this for Steven here. Steven says, Pitt plus one and a half coming off the first loss. It will, be, it will light a fire underneath them. Josh Allen versus Steelers D will be fun to watch. I agree with the first part, disagree with the second part. It will be, well, you know what? It will be fun to watch if you're a Steelers fan. They've been banged up this last few weeks. You lose Bud Dupree and lost Spillane this week. I still love that defense, and I still think it's going to give Josh Allen fits. I think the Steelers are going to win this game, and I think it's going to be because the Steelers' defense forces three or four turnovers in this game. I'm taking Pittsburgh outright. So, yeah, they cover, but they are going to win. And honestly, I think I might buy some points. I think I'd buy this all the way up to Steelers minus three and a half. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts, but I simply do not see how the Steelers aren't favored and how they don't win this game. Guess we'll find out how dumb I am next Sunday night at 820. Now, Monday night football. The Baltimore Ravens are traveling to Cleveland, which is going to be a very exciting matchup on Monday Night Football. Game all of a sudden, believe this or not, it means more for the Ravens. Who could have seen that coming a few weeks ago? The Ravens kind of need to win this game to realistically stay alive in that AFC wildcard race. They are a point favorite in Cleveland. Steven says Cleveland minus one. They're here to take that wildcard spot. I agree they're going to get the wildcard spot. This game, though, is a coin flip. I think the real question here is, does Baltimore find themselves in a position to get a wild card spot? I'm going to say no. I'm going to continue riding the hot hand in Cleveland right now. I don't think Baltimore's really worth anything. They've looked like shit the last month and a half. I know that they had a little stretch there where they were playing with freaking RG3 and Trace McSorley. That time is done. Lamar went out, and it looked pretty good last night in a win. Man, that's a tough game. If there was one I was going to stay away from, it would be this. But you guys understand that I am a degenerate and I do this every week, so I can't help myself. So I'm going to take the Browns. I am going to take them to win. And that would put the Browns at 10-3 and early in the month of December. What a time to be alive. And that is the final game of the weekend, which you know what that means. We have reached the end of another episode of Loss of Down. Steven wants me to tell you guys that you're the best. We appreciate you guys listening. We will have the merchandise soon. He's working on t-shirt designs right now. And once once we go from there, we'll let you guys know how that's going to go going forward. Remember to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Loss it down. You'll see the same logo as you see on the podcast here with the referee, black and white, our names on it. Wally Lukashinsky and Steven Weed. Check us out every single Thursday morning, Wednesday night, if you're up at 3 or 4 in the morning when I'm done editing these things. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. We love you so much. You guys go out and enjoy the Week 14 slate this weekend. Win some money. Follow us. Help us line your pockets a little bit. And then we'll regroup and do it all again next week. For Steven Weed, I'm Wally Lukashinsky, and this is Lost It Down. We'll see you guys next week.